And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Last week, we started a new series called The Real Jesus. And of course, the best way to learn about Jesus is to read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and read the epistles of the New Testament. And today we're going to continue in that series, and I want to talk to you about Jesus the Healer. Jesus the Healer. And uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to start with. And this is a quote where Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel to the poor. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said these words in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. To be poor in spirit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you have a lot of money or don't have a lot of money. What it means is that you acknowledge your absolute need of God in your life. You acknowledge your absolute need of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, God, I'm poor in spirit. I need you in my life. Then he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Have any of you ever had your heart broken? Man, I have time after time. Thank God there's a balm in Gilead. Thank God that Jesus binds up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then out of Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, Exodus 15, 26 It says, for I am the Lord who heals you. Literally, in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. When I was was eight years of age, I stepped on a very rusty nail. And that nail came up through my foot. It came out through the top of my foot. My father rushed me to the doctor's office. My pediatrician was Dr. Oven and Dr. Uh, McAllister. Some of you, ha- how many of you had Dr. Oven and Dr. McAllister? Yeah, numbers of you. Rushed me to their office, and I remember my foot was throbbing. I felt like I was going to faint. I also felt like I was, uh, I was nauseous. And we, we, we sped to the doctor's office, got in the parking lot, and my dad looked at me. He said, Terrell, remember this, Jesus is a healing Jesus. And he put his hand on me, and he said, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing to my son. I pray there'd be no infection. And do you know, as we sat in the car, immediately that nauseousness left me. The throbbing stopped. My foot felt pretty good. We went in, and I believe we saw Dr. McAllister that day, and he treated it, and he dressed the wound. And you know what? That made quite an impression on an eight-year-old that Jesus is a healing Jesus. And I thank God for doctors and nurses. I thank God for for medical science. But Jesus is a healing Jesus. About a year and a half later, I've told you this story. I climbed up on top of a 12-foot ladder. And I stood atop that ladder. We were in the telephone company's warehouse over over off St. Augustine Road. And there with my uncle and my dad and my cousins. I stood atop that ladder and I yelled out, I'm the king, I'm the king. And then I began to make my way down the rungs and my foot missed a rung. And I fell head first and I struck my, this side of my head on the concrete floor. 
My cousin said that my face turned blue. My dad and my uncle scooped me up in their arms and rushed me to Tallahassee Memorial Hospital. And Dr. Khan, the neurosurgeon, looked at my mom and dad and said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid your son will forever be a human vegetable. There's so much pressure in his, the cavity of his skull right now that it is, it has really just decreased his brain where it looks like scrambled eggs now. He will never be normal. He'll never run. He'll never talk. He'll never ride a bicycle again. The best you can ever do is find a convalescent home. Find a nursing home for your son. And maybe they'll take good care of him there until he passes away. But you know what? Some of you in this room prayed for me. And back in those days, they had telephone booths. And I realize there's several generations you don't know what a telephone booth is. But believe it or not, we haven't always had mobile phones. We haven't always had cellular phones. We used to have what were called pay phones. And in public places, telephone companies would erect a kind of a little box, a see-through box that you could go into and you put some money into it and you could use the phone. And my dad's told me how there at the ER at TMH, he went into the telephone booth and he, he acted like he was putting money in, but he wasn't. He took the receiver off and he wasn't talking to a, to any earthly person. He started talking to God about his son and saying, God, I thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. I thank you that you're the Lord, our healer. I was unconscious for three days. I remember waking up, a nurse was shining a flashlight in my eyes and she was saying, Terrell, who am I? Who am I? What's your name? And I remember saying, you just said my name. My name is Terrell. I didn't know I'd been unconscious for three days. And she kept asking me questions and I would answer and she would yell, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. He's talking and he knows who he is and he knows what's going on. And she'd run out of the room and then she'd bring some more nurses and attendants and some doctors came in and they kept doing all these tests and they kept saying, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, again, I thank God for doctors and nurses. I thank God for medical professionals. Hallelujah. But I thank God that Jesus is a healing Jesus. And this morning, I want to share with you five reasons that Jesus heals the sick. Five reasons he healed the sick in his day, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number one, Jesus healed the sick because it was promised in the Word of God. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, in Isaiah chapter 53, which was prophesied and written down 800 years before the Christ was born, Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, it says, Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering, but it was, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. In other words, our sin is what put Him on the cross. And He died under the crushing load, not only of being crucified, but of our sins. It says, The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds, or by His stripes, we are healed one night i got a call we're pastoring in the chicago area and i got a call from a man who started coming to our church and he was it was from a baptist background and he says you know i've never been around anybody that's taught on healing for today i thought it was something that that disappeared after the days of of the apostles but he says my wife is sick would you pray for her and i prayed for her and then he said can you give me any scripture that, that, that will validify that this is for today? I said, well, turn to Matthew chapter 8 
And look at verses 16 through 17. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all. Everybody say all. I once did a, a, a Greek word study on the word all. You know what it means? All. That's right. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Everybody look at me. Both eyes, both ears open. A lot of us, we accept and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. A lot of us will receive and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. But folks, it's another thing to accept and to receive Jesus Christ as your healer. Now, when I was a kid, I remember the old saints would testify. And it wasn't unusual for an old saint to get up and say, I want to thank God that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I want to thank God that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I want to thank God that Jesus is my healer and my deliverer. I want to thank God that Jesus Christ is my Holy Spirit baptizer. And I want to thank God that Jesus Christ is my soon coming King. Hallelujah. But here in America, we've got the greatest health care in the world, don't we? We do. Thank God for it. But I think sometimes, because we've got such great health care, we run to Blue Cross instead of the Cross of Calvary. Folks, what happened this week on Capitol Hill? The Republicans said, we're going to have a health care bill that's going to replace... Obamacare, and then they withdrew it because they didn't have enough votes. Let me just ask you, what are we going to do if our health insurance systems fail and you can't get the medical care that you're used to getting? Somebody, somebody, you might say, well, I'll start trusting God. Why make that a last resort? Why not make it a first resort? Folks, if you don't actively invest in your faith in what God's Word says, if you don't make Jesus Christ your healer and thank Him for for, for being your healer, you could wind up, you know, we could have some great calamity, some great plague that could sweep the United States that we don't have inoculations for. Or we don't have enough medicine for everybody. What are you going to do then? I just Here's what I want to suggest to you. It's a whole lot easier to start off believing God to heal your headache. Or to heal a spider bite. Or to heal the flu. Than it is to wait till you get a diagnosis of cancer. It's just so important. That you build up your faith in this area regarding healing. Everybody say this with me. Jesus Christ is my healer. Come on, say it again. Jesus Christ is my healer. See, you've got to consciously accept Him as your healer. If you don't, when the worst happens, you're going to fall apart like a $2 suitcase. 
In fact, I'll tell you what I do is I normal, I, I, I regularly go to scriptures that talk about the healing power of God and I meditate on those and I put them in the first person as a profession of my faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I need to know what the word of God has to say about healing. And I read them aloud to myself because my own ears need to hear my mouth speaking God's word. That's the reason you don't want to be speaking a lot of doubt and unbelief. You don't want to be speaking a lot of negative stuff because your ears are going to hear you speaking it. And just as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, worry comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. Come on. Unrest comes by hearing. There are people that are in deep, dark depressions today, and it started because they didn't realize that life and death are in the power of their tongue. Proverbs says that we're to guard our heart with all diligence, for our, guard our mouth with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And I can either speak life to myself, or I can speak death. My mom is in Tallahassee Memorial Hospital this morning. And some of you know she gets kind of confused sometimes. But she fell this week, fell several times. But one time she fell and she, she broke a couple of ribs. And I've watched my 87-year-old daddy yesterday morning. I was praying with that. Kathy's not here this morning because she stayed with mom last night. I watched my 87-year-old daddy say, you know, son, I'm 87, but God has never failed me. He says, and you know what? God loves your mama more than I do. God loves your mama more than you do. God loves her. She is his child. And God's going to take care of this thing, son. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God's at work, son, in ways that we can't see. Folks, when you, you don't know when the unthinkable happens. You may or may not be surrounded with family and friends and loved ones and, and Christian brothers and sisters that can assist you and help you. And that's one of the reasons it's important that you build up your faith and you meditate on the Word of God. In fact, after church today, when, as soon as the, 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 the altar services are over with, our ushers are going to be standing at the doors and they're going to be giving out 27 faith affirmations on healing based on the Scriptures. And I encourage you to take those and to meditate on them and think about them. See, the same part of you that can meditate on the Word of God is the same part of you that can worry about everything else. And the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now hear me. I love doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals. I thank God. I mean, we've got a, we've got, we've got, got a number of doctors in this congregation and a lot of you are nurses and you're healthcare professionals. You know, I thank God for you. You know, even the apostle Paul traveled with his own physician. How many of you know Luke was a physician, Dr. Luke? And I think, you know, Paul had been beaten with rods three times. He had been shipwrecked. He had been uh, stoned and left for dead. I bet old Dr. Luke used to, used to, used to put salve on his back 
and would pray prayers of healing. And then Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts for us, hallelujah. And he wrote the gospel of Luke. And did you know seven times, 17 times in the gospel of Luke, you'll find references to the Holy Spirit. And you'll find more references to healings. You'll find more references to deliverance in the gospel of Luke than you will any of the other gospels, hallelujah. And I'm just saying it's a whole lot easier to believe God when you're healed, when you're in divine help, when things are going good, than when you're in a mess and you're trying to believe God. Two weeks ago, I hurt my back. And uh, Friday mornings is my, Fridays is my day off usually. And uh, I love to play golf. I'm not real good, but I love to play at it. And so I, it was Thursday night and my back was hurting me. And I got up early Friday morning and I said, Kathy... I'm going to have to call the guys and tell them I can't play with them today. And she said, honey, have you forgotten that Jesus is your healer? I said, well, I did for a second there. And I just said, back, you get in line with the word of God. Now, some of you are saying, That's just my, this is not mind over matter, folks. This is applying. See, I just believe that God's word, I believe that God's word is true truth and real reality. And, and Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. And I said, back you line up with God's word in Jesus' name. And I went out and I started in the first tee. I'm going to tell you, it, it hurt. It was bothering me. But I said, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for healing me. I'm going to tell you about the seventh or eighth tee. I forgot all about my back hurting because it stopped hurting. And it hasn't hurt since. Can you say hallelujah? Number two. Number two, Jesus healed the sick in order to reveal God's will. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Now a leper, this is verse 40, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Isn't that where most of us are? Many times we come to God in prayer and say, Lord, if you, if you will, you can do this. If you will, you can meet this need. If you will, you can do this, that, or the other. He says, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, Then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Hallelujah. I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I want you to know there's no record in the Bible of Jesus ever turning anyone away who came to him for healing. Even the woman who was the Syrophoenician woman who had a little daughter that was demon-possessed. I mean, Jesus had quite a bit of dialogue with her, but he still delivered her daughter. Hallelujah. And here's our problem. I think far too often we base our faith on what happens to other people, and that can be a problem. Because you'll find people will say, well, well, I had, a, I had an uncle, and he believed God for healing, and, and he died. And I had an aunt, and she was believing God, and she had a stroke, and she died. And I had an Uncle Jack, and Uncle Jack was hit by a bus, and he died. Therefore, you just, you just never can believe God. Look at me, both eyes, both ears, I want you to hear this. You cannot go through your life basing your faith on what happened to Aunt Minnie or Uncle Jack. You've got to base your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to base your faith on the Word of God. Jesus is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Somebody else's experience is not the basis for our faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is the basis for our faith. And this word is true and I've got to line up my life. I've got to line up my thinking and I've got to line up my speaking 
with the Word of God. I cannot base the validity of the Word of God on somebody else's experience. Amen. I'm preaching a little better than you're listening right now, but... Number three, Jesus healed the sick to manifest the works of God. John chapter 9, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And then Jesus, you remember the story, he spit in the dust and he made some mud and he put that of the mud on the man's eyes and he said, go and wash. And the man went and washed and he came back healed. Now I have never spit on anybody when I prayed for them, but I was thinking about starting it today. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Let me, let, let me just, this is not, uh, we don't have this on the, on the slides to show to you, but take your Bibles or your, your iPads, your phones, whatever you've got. Turn into Romans chapter 4, verses 18 and, and following. I, I just want to share a principle with you here. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Who contrary to hope in hope believed. Talking about Abraham who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I mean, here's Abraham and here's Sarah. She's 90 years old. He's 99 years old. And the Bible says against hope, he believed in hope. Some of us, sometimes we go through things in life and we've got to, it looks like it's hopeless. It looks like nothing's going to work out. It looks like that, 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 that you could already write an obituary for this situation. But I'm telling you that Christ Jesus is the hope of glory and Christ Jesus, the greater one, lives inside believers. And Romans 8 verse 11 says if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you he will also give life to your mortal bodies because he lives inside you can you say hallelujah so Abraham against hope believed in hope not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb he did not waver at the promise of God the promise of God is that she was going to have a baby he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Now watch this, giving glory to God. I mean, folks, one of the, one of the secrets to being a victorious Christian, one of the secrets to reigning in this life through abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness is number one, understand that God is your source. Come on, God is your, say that with me, God is my source. God is my source. See, you may get a paycheck from the XYZ company, but God is your source. And number two, always worship Jesus. 
not just when you're in church and the worship band is playing and singing, but make it a practice to practice the presence of Jesus. There was a monk named Brother Lawrence, and Brother Lawrence was relegated to working in the kitchen of this monastery. And they said, Brother Lawrence, you get to do two things. You get to peel potatoes and you get to wash dishes. How would you like to do that all your life? That's your ministry. That's your profession. Peeling potatoes and washing dishes. But Brother Lawrence, he started giving Jesus glory. He started worshiping God. And he began to begin to realize that as he worshiped God, God's presence was ministering to him. Oh, so many times when your back's against the wall, when you don't know what to do, when it, people say there's no hope for you, if you'll just say, Jesus, I just ascribe glory and greatness to you. This is uncomfortable to my emotions. And Lord, my mind is, is kind of confused. But Jesus, I give you glory and I give you praise. Hallelujah. Folks, in the Old Testament, God inhabited the praises of his people. In the New Testament, God inhabits the people of praise. We say that again. In the Old Testament, God inhabited the praises of his people. In the New Testament, he inhabits the people of praise. And you're the only one that will determine if you're going to be a person of praise or not. Amen? Hallelujah. Number four. Jesus healed the sick because of his compassion. Matthew 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Folks, that word compassion means there's something. I preached on it several weeks ago. The compassion of our Lord. It means that he was moved on the inside. And if you'll study the word compassion in the New Testament, you'll find that when Jesus was moved with compassion, usually a miracle took place. And I just want to suggest to you that when you feel the compassion, not sympathy, sympathy is, well, I feel sorry for you, but compassion says, I feel what you feel so much that I want to help do something about it. When you feel the compassion of Jesus, it's probably because he wants you to get active in that person's life. He wants you to be an answer to whatever they're going through. Hallelujah. Well... I got a got an email this week from one of our missionaries in Vienna, Austria, Tony Gritzkevich. Tony and Anna used to be pastors in Panama City, and now they're serving in Vienna, Austria at Vienna Christian Center. And he says, Dear Pastor Terrell, God has been doing some wonderful things through the ministry of Vienna Christian Center. These things we cannot put in a newsletter or share on social media due to safety concerns. But in the last several months, over, I want you to hear this, over 1,000 Muslims have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior through the ministries of Vienna Christian Center. I said over 1,000 Muslims have come to know Christ. Now listen to this. Many of these have experienced a supernatural move of God in their life. They've either had a supernatural dream where Jesus revealed himself as being the Messiah. They've had a vision. Many of them have had a healing 
or another miracle that drew them to Christ. Please continue to pray for us as we reach reach out not only to Muslims, but to people from around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your prayers and support, and please greet the Evangel Church family for me, Tony. Hallelujah. Folks, I've noticed in my own life when I'm praying for people, and and there there are times that I, I just sense the compassion of Jesus. When I sense the compassion of Jesus, it's usually because God wants to bring a gift of the Holy Spirit, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a prophetic word or, or some kind of encouragement or, or maybe the gifts of healings or maybe the working of miracles or, or, or God, God just wants to show up and show off. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you to show up and show off in. Amen? He really does. Number five, Jesus healed people because of their faith. In Matthew chapter 8, a centurion came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, my servant is lying at home sick and paralyzed. And Jesus said, I will come and I will pray for your servant. The man said, no, you don't need to come. Just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And you remember how Jesus responded in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12? Let's look at, at Jesus' response here. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you believe, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very same hour. In Mark chapter 5, we read about a little lady. And this lady, the Bible says she had an issue of blood. In other words, she had a menstrual problem. She had been bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says she had been to many uh, physicians, suffered many things from them, spent all she had, was no better. But somebody told her about Jesus. Everybody look at me. Easter's coming. It's the easiest time of the year to invite folks to church. People need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear what he's done in your life. They need to hear how he saved you. They need to hear how he's healed you. They need to hear how he's delivered you. They need to hear how he's filled you with his Holy Spirit. They need to hear. They need what you've got. You say, well, they might start arguing with me. Well, remember this, a person with an argument is never at the mercy. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. If you've got an experience with God, it's because God has worked in your life. And you can say, you know, you may have this argument and that argument, but Jesus is real because he lives inside me. And you can invite people to church. Somebody invited this little lady. She heard that Jesus was passing by. And so I want you to see her in your mind's eye this woman with the issue of blood she's not supposed to even be close to people because she's ceremonially unclean but she crawls on the on the ground there's a great crowd of people around jesus she crawls through their legs she crawls she's looking down at their their muddy sandals She's crawling because she can see there's one man that has a seamless robe. And she says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. And she reached up and she touched his garment. And the Bible says she was made whole. Hallelujah. The moment, the moment she touched his garment, she was made whole. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, what do you mean somebody touched you? 
You're crowded all around on every side. People are always touching you. He says, no, but somebody touched me in faith. Folks, look at me. Hear this. It's not the curious touch. It's not the spiritual touch. But it's the faith-filled touch that receives from the Lord. And look at what Jesus said to that woman. Mark chapter 5, verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your afflictions. I know there are some pastors, there are some evangelists that are always teaching. They're saying, well, if you pray for healing for somebody, you should pray if it be God's will. Always preface your prayer with those words. Lord, heal this person if it be thy will. I want you to hear me say this because this is important. We've got to be consecrated and committed to God's will. Every single one of us. We need to always live on the altar where we're consecrated to God's will. You know, I want God's will more than I want anything in the world. But the problem I have with that teaching is that nowhere in the Bible did Jesus ever say, be healed if it be God's will. The Apostle Paul never prayed that way. The Apostle Peter never prayed that way. Other people in the scriptures never prayed if it be thy will. In fact, there were two places that Jesus talked about God's will. One is when he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a prayer we should pray regularly. And number two, when he was, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, he said, Lord, take this cup from me. In other words, take this, this, this going to the cross away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done amen some people say well if healing is god's will why doesn't everyone get healed well that's about like asking if salvation is god's will why doesn't everybody get saved how many of you believe salvation is god's will sure the bible says it is why didn't everybody get saved well you and i can't answer that question only that's between that person and god so I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's will for every person. But everybody doesn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's between that person and God. And that's the same way it is with healing. That's between that person and God. It's really not up to me. But I'm going to tell you something. The same stripes that paid for our salvation paid for our healing too, according to the Scripture. Healing is in the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to stop preaching salvation and I'm not going to stop preaching healing and you know what when I lay hands on people I'm expecting there to be something going on I'm expecting there to be a healing I'm expecting there to be God showing up and some people say well I don't understand why are some healed and others aren't healed well folks there's a whole lot of things we don't understand there's a lot of things every case is different You know, some folks are healed instantaneously when we pray for them, and some people are healed gradually. And I don't understand that, but I'm not going to debate why this person is healed and that person is not. Again, I think that's a, uh, if somebody is prayed for and they're not healed, that's between them and God. It's not really about me. My job, the Bible, Jesus said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. See, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't pray for the sick. 
God's word is true regardless of our personal experience. And we are in error if we form a theology around experience rather than around God's word. Amen? You say, well, what happens, Pastor, if I pray for somebody and they die? Well, if they are a Christian, they're going to go to heaven. That's what we all want to do, right? We all want to make it to heaven one day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Death for a child of God is not a bad thing. Death is a good thing for a child of God. Thank God for heaven. No tears, no worries, no pain, no sorrow. Hallelujah. But it's painful for those of us that remain, isn't it? When you lose a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a grandchild, a brother or a sister, it's painful for those of us that remain because we miss them. And we hurt on the inside. You know, it was, it was almost three years ago that Paul and Terry lost little Jonathan David. Thank God for Sophie Grace. Thank God that they've got a 14-month-old now. And you know, I thank God for, for my grandchildren. I've got a grandson and a granddaughter in Charlotte. And I've got a granddaughter in Charleston, South Carolina. And I got a granddaughter here in Tallahassee. But I find myself thinking about little Jonathan David. I think about, you know, I had great plans for Jonathan David. We're going to, I never had a son. And I thank God for Braden in North Carolina, but I don't get to see Braden that often. And I had plans for little Jonathan David. And I'm glad he's in heaven. And I'm glad we're going to see him again. And we sorrow, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And you may sorrow. Some of you, again, you, you've lost loved ones. And you, and you may find yourself still in a state of mourning. And that's, that's, you should mourn. You should let yourself mourn. Don't bottle it up. Don't stop it. That's a, that's a pathway to depression. If you don't let yourself mourn. Mourning is a gift from God because if the impact of losing a loved one hits you all at once, it'd kill you. But it comes in waves. And it takes time. But I think about little Jonathan David. I think about what could have been. And then I'm reminded that God loves Jonathan David more than I do. He loves Jonathan David more than Terry and Paul do. He's taken better care of him than we could. And one day we're going to be with Jonathan David for all eternity. And we're going to get to spend time with him. Hallelujah. I just think we need to act like the Word of God is true. <laughs> I just think that when it comes to praying for the sick, that we just, you know, you and I are the healers anyway. Jesus is the healer. We're just a vessel. We're just a, 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 a vessel that, that, that Jesus, His power can move through. Hallelujah. You say, well, I'm just, I don't know, Pastor. I, I don't know. Listen, look at me. Everybody hear this. God has never had anybody working for him that was perfect except Jesus. Ooh, I need to tell these people, I think. God has never had anybody perfect working for him except Jesus. And it's not your degree of personal holiness that's going to bring 
healing to that person. It's going to be your ability to hear the Holy Spirit and to cooperate with Him and for the Spirit of God to anoint you and to flow through your life. God's just looking for vessels. I mean, in the Old Testament, He got so desperate, He spoke through a donkey. God's just looking for vessels. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Brother Norm, come on to the keys, if you will. There may be some of you here today that if you died tonight, you don't have the assurance that you'd wake up in heaven because you're not sure that you got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But I want you to know, you can know that you know because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. And today is the day of salvation. And I want to give you the opportunity to repent of your sins. I want to give you the opportunity to trust the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all of your sins. It may be that you're here this morning and you've known the Lord, but you're not walking with Him right now. Maybe something happened. Maybe you got disappointed. Maybe you you went through a financial reversal. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you were betrayed by a friend. Maybe, maybe... The unthinkable happened in your life and you just weren't sure God was there for you. So you kind of walked away from him. But today's a day that you can come back to him because he loves you. He stands with arms wide open. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I'm not asking you to join our church today, but I am asking you to join the family of God. It may be that you know the Lord Jesus Christ, but you don't have an assurance in your heart that if you died today that you'd wake up in heaven. You can know that you know that you know. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit of God will bear witness in our heart that we're the children of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around, nobody talking. In the stillness of this moment, we say, Pastor Terrell, that's me. I fit into one of those three categories. I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I just want you to slip up your hand and take it right down after I recognize you. Thank you. You can take your hand down. Anybody else? I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yes, you can take your hand down. Thank you. You can take your hand down. Anybody else? I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. I need and I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life today. Come on. All over this house. All over this house. This is your opportunity to get things right with God. Anybody else all over this house, just lift up your hand and leave it up until I see it. All over this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you just to stand from where you are right now and come right down here and meet Pastor Zach. Pastor Zach is coming and he's going to be standing right here at this altar because we want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And we're all going to pray it in support of you. You say, well, why are you doing this? Why do I have to come forward? Well, every person that Jesus called, he called publicly. He didn't call privately. So let me just encourage you, come on. Come on, we're just going to wait for a minute. Come on, give you an opportunity. We're just going to wait right here just for a minute. There are several more of you that raised your hands. Today's your day. Come on, today's your day. Today's your day. You don't know that you're going to get another opportunity. There are a lot of churches that don't give altar calls today. This is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus and no to the devil and no to the world. To trust his shed blood as the full payment for all of your sins. Let's all pray this prayer together. All over the house, everybody in the house, we're going to pray this prayer in support of these three that are standing here. And I'm going to ask you three to especially pray it. Say, Lord God, today I trust 
the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all of my sin. I thank you for saving me. Come fill me, Holy Spirit, because I'm making Jesus Christ my Savior, my Lord, my healer. Thank you for living in me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Come and make me new on the inside. I give you glory and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let me, let me just give you a little promise here. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.